Hey, Danny, how you doing, man? When someone makes me toast. In many ways, the work of a critic is easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I always forget who voices Anton Ego, but it's such a wonderful voice. It's gorgeous. Um, it's it's like yeah. golden syrup on a on a warm summer's day. I'm sorry, golden syrup on a warm summer's day. I, I, I feel I, that I, would be very difficult to deal with. Yeah, I don't fucking it'd know. It'd be, it'd be, it'd go thin because <laughs> it'd be so hot, so it'd get all over your hands. You know, it would like, clot, that'd be a nightmare. It, oh, it would clot. It would clot like a. It would clot like a clotter, Lewis. Um, Jesus Christ! I don't. I don't think it would clot. <laughs> it would. It would get it, because it would be so hot. It would just go that weird sort of pasty way. You know, depending um, on what you were using it for. I, I, I honestly don't think it would. <laughs> I'm very confused and scared. Let's move on from this. No, you know if it if it lies on whatever you've got it on for too long, it becomes yeah. like, like a gross uh, paste. I sort of know what you mean. Yeah. Um, cause I, think, it's already I mean, I've, a... I've never had syrup, but I'm guessing that that's how it... <laughs> I'm willfully misinformed with a lot of confidence. I... <laughs> <laughs> Just the idea of saying, no, I, I have no idea what I'm talking about, and I am confident in that stance. Uh, but yeah, uh, shall we uh, shall we spin the wheel for some yeah. hefty early morning bullshit? Alright, it's 5.30, spin the wheel. Make your parents yeah. angry. Woo! You're fucking dead with that fucking wheel. I went northern all of a sudden. Um the strange strange um image of your dad coming upstairs and being northern all of a sudden he has transformed to peter k yes the absorbal off um <laughs> i have changed my mind on the dark night oh yeah. okay so yeah. what was your opinion before and what is your opinion now my opinion before was this is a great film and anyone who says it isn't is a fucking idiot Right. Okay. And um, now, I believe that the Dark Knight is um pretty shit. Oh, that's a very hot take. Go on, tell me why you think it's a bit shit. Okay, so, I mean, Heath Ledger's performance amazing. There yeah. is n- you're never going to get me to back down on that. Um, mm. dynamic between Batman and the Joker, excellent. But the message that the film leaves. <laughs> Is so yeah. fucking dog shit that I, it took. I just I realized it the other day. So Batman wins by enforcing mm. a sort of authoritarian state sort of fucking surveillance program. Yeah, he does. And you know, it's not like he had no choice, and this is the wrong thing to do. It's like no, he won that way, and and he he then concealed the truth. In order to preserve the good in Gotham, mm. it's like that is such dog. It is I feel as if I was like watching some sort of weird propaganda for something, you know? Yeah, that is a good point. I I do know what you mean. Yeah, it's um. I mean, w- w- we've covered my vaguely controversial opinions on Christopher Nolan before on the podcast. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I I think the Dark Knight obviously it it has a lot of fantastic things to it, but. It is also a bit odd in spots, to say the least. Yeah. Like, um, oh, look. Um, oh, I can't even... Sorry, I'm struggling to fucking remember the movie now. It's like one of the... Arguably one of the greatest films of the 20th, 21st century. Um, and now I can't remember it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what what it is, is it's entirely like pro-establishment. Yeah. Is what it is. Because... Sort of revolutionaries or people that have problems with the system are either f- fucking deranged lunatics with clown makeup mm, or mm. N- uh, sort of nuclear terrorists like Bane. And yeah. like, and it's people like Harvey Dent that are, you know, the, that are the, the hope to save this city. It's like, well, mm. how is Harvey Dent? And he's, like, yeah. any good he just locks yeah. people up like, I mean what is what That's is intrinsically point, yeah. good about that person you know mm. um, no, I, I do completely understand what you mean there's there's no sort of 
uh, yeah, it's it is like it's trying to tell a strange moral tale, but not quite hitting the mark in a funny way. Yeah, and it's amazing how that the, the when you remember the sort of time period, and how that mm. you know, with like the Bush administration and stuff like that, like you think that that would be an opportunity to to, to critique some of the ridiculous policies that mm. were coming out of his administration. You've got like um, Occupy Wall Street when the Dark Knight Rises came out, and it's like. It's not. It's not the. It's not the, the people in Wall Street that are at fault. It's the horrible, <laughs> protesters that dare to go. You know, mm, take mm. a stand against corrupt. You know, it's like, it's mm. it's really weird, and um, it's it's very. It feels very propagandistic to me. Mm. Um, and Christian it's, Bale's yeah. Batman is really shit. I've realised that now. <laughs> Like, I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> his voice is so fucking stupid; it's unbelievable. Yeah, he's sort of this this un uh, this ubermensch that does no wrong. It's very sort of like weird. To, to Christopher uh, Christian Bale's Batman. Um, I, I think. I, I mean, I have a lot of opinions on Batman because who doesn't have a lot of opinions on Batman? But like, I, I the one thing I did really like about well, I liked a lot of things about Ben Affleck's Batman. Yeah, but um, one of the many things I liked about um. Batfleck, which I still think is a terrible, a terrible way to refer to Ben Affleck as Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it works, but it's still kind of crap. Uh, <laughs> I, the one thing, one of the things I did like was that he sort of he embodied what I sort of imagined Batman to move like. Like yeah. um, Christopher Christian Bale was very sort of athletic almost. I mean, there's I mean, there's all those scenes where he's got his shirt off and he's fucking stacked. But then when yeah. he's got the the suit on, he does look more athletic than anything um but ben affleck was just fucking massive like um that 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 was what sort of really stood out to me about batman v superman especially was like you're putting anybody next to henry cavill they're gonna look like a scrawny weirdo but then ben affleck looks enormous stood next to him and i think i read somewhere that when he was filming uh batman v superman his biceps were the same size around as his neck Oh my god! How fucking insane is that? That is insane. Yeah, um, and I I just think that that is really good, and because um, I think that's what what I like about a lot of Batman stories that are illustrated with that in mind is um, when you see um, Batman be a, this physically enormous character. Yeah, um, I think that's what makes him so imposing and so terrifying is not only the iconography of him lurking in the dark everywhere you go and all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. but also the fact that he's just so huge yeah like that's what got me about um oh the the really good one where batman comes out of retirement the comic strip um ah oh, fuck what's it called with the with the mutants uh, that become the sons oh, of batman uh, um, frank miller's uh yes, the dark knight yes. returns yeah, the Dark Knight Returns. That's what really stood out to me about that <clears throat> was that even as an old man, Batman was so huge <laughs> next yeah. to these, 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 like even the the mutant leader. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean that's that's a whole that that's a lot of, a lot of sort of criticism has been levied at that publication because mm-hmm. Batman is just like essentially a fascist in that. And it, well, but, yeah, obviously that's not great. <laughs> It's it's weird because like I want to see some Batman where like Batman's methods are like highly sort of criticized. Mm. You mm. know? I, like like it, almost like the Bat brand in um Batman v Superman. Yeah, like uh, I don't like that Ben Affleck kills. Fucking hate that. Batman doesn't kill. Yeah. And yeah. he never will in my mind. Um mm. but I like That's, the idea um, of like you know, rather than yeah, <laughs> all these people in Batman's way who's just trying to get the job done. It's like, no, I think that, you know, the the multi-billionaire who doesn't let him, let fund social programs to help mm. his city, but instead dresses up as <laughs> a bat. his money. Yeah, yep. to deal with his mummy and daddy issues, like, has some things to fucking deal with rather than, Imagine you know. how much better Gotham would be if Bruce Wayne went to therapy and funded social programs. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, he does, he doesn't, yeah, but come on, come on. He dresses up as a bat long mm. before he ever does that in the comics or anything <laughs> like that. And in The yeah. Dark Knight, he opens a orphanage at the end when he dies, like, come on. Don't be, don't be, don't be that person. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, no, I agree with what you said about Batman um, killing. I, I really didn't appreciate that. I thought that if you are going to have Batman kill in a story, then have it be um, at the end of a very long moral journey. Yeah. Like, um, like again, in The Dark Knight Returns, when Batman sort of in a roundabout way kills the Joker. Um, or rather, just doesn't save his life sort of thing. Yeah. I think that that's sort of... That sort of worked sort of in my mind as I was reading as I was reading it because I thought okay yeah that because I can see that he's been on a long moral journey people he knows and loves have died he's this embittered twisted version of Batman yeah. so he's okay with killing I, I kind of got that but you can't just go from zero straight to no Batman. yeah Batman not. kills people yep that's fine <laughs> yeah and did you ever see the interviews with like Zack Snyder saying that oh yeah <laughs> My guys are obsessed with comics, and they had to, you know, we had to make sure that Batman killed the, the right person in the exact right way because that's what happened in the comics. Has he read the fucking comics? It's like, <laughs> that's a big <laughs> thing in the comics that Batman just doesn't kill. And yeah, it's like, yeah. I have no idea what he's talking about. Um, mm. that, you are completely right with that, but one thing I would say in, in Zack Snyder's defense is that um, I, I haven't seen Justice League, either of them, so I can't comment on that, but. Yeah. In um, Batman v Superman, some of the fight scenes uh, are some of the most Batman-y Batman fights I have ever seen yeah. in anything. There's like the scene where he's in the warehouse and he's um, uh, fighting those six or seven guys all at once, and it's that's like the most Batman Batman fight I've ever seen. That yeah. that sort of embodies sort of what's in the comics. And um, oh, this is a bit of a hot misremembering, but I think oh. the 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 stunt coordinator for Batman v Superman might have been Chad Stahelski, who was the director for John Wick. That, ooh, that might really? not be correct at all. Um, uh, please do not, please do not take that as any kind of gospel. That is very poorly remembered. Um, but yeah, Chad Stahelski was, um, uh, uh, Keanu Reeves's stunt double on the matrix. Um, and so he'd been a stunt, a stuntman for a very long time, and then he sort of, mm. sort of went out into acting, which is why the John Wick films are so artistically sort of choreographed. Which is because, like, um, they are directed by someone who completely understands what is needed to make a good stunt and a good action scene. Yeah. Um, and they say, okay, well, yeah, let's have a long, unbroken cut where these stunt performers can be really good at what they're doing, sort of thing. If that's true, that's fantastic. Like, let me let me let me Google it. <laughs> if that's if that's correct, then well done. Um. Fight coordinator. Um, oh, Guillermo Grispo. No, that's not it at all. Um, Batman v Superman. Oh, here we go. American stuntman and film director. He handled the second unit directing and stunts of Pr- Birds of Prey. No, okay, I was wrong. Oh, um, fuck. But it is an interesting fact about John Wick, so I suppose that's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, scratch the last five minutes of <laughs> of conversation. <Yep. laughs> but, um, no, that would have been really cool. But um, No, yeah, um, yeah, I think, as I say, I think that the fights in Batman v Superman are, are some of the most Batman-y Batmaning I've ever seen. Yeah. Although, still... Using guns is not very Batman. No, definitely not. I think using guns is 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 less Batman than killing in a very strange way. Like I can yeah. sort of see a situation in which Batman sort of thinks, okay, well, for the sake of Gotham and for the sake of the world, I I must kill this villain. Yeah. But I I can't foresee a situation in which he uses a gun to do it. Yeah. That like there's that famous panel again from The Dark Knight Returns, um, when um he turns around and says. Guns are are not the weapons we use. No. They only have one use, which is to kill somebody. Like, uh, uh, do you know what I mean? I I I just don't like it when Batman uses guns in comics, movies, anything. No, I agree with you. Um, but uh, is that is that enough bullshit for you? Or um, I think um I think I'm 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 sort of sated on Batman bullshit. I haven't done anything interesting this week. I deliberately was thinking. Alright, I'll try to do interesting things for the podcast. I've like started knitting a blanket. That's not interesting. Who gives a shit about that? I, I put some marinara sauce in some jars. That is also not interesting. You're gonna have to go out. You're gonna have to start a fight. Um, <laughs> so for the podcast. So for the podcast. 
and then when I get arrested and say it's all for the podcast, yeah, um, yeah, I'm sure the the police will go. Ah, well, in that case, that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, they'll let you bring your mic and your computer in to the to into, the cell. Into jail. Yep. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but if we're all sated, then I think I am. Yeah, we are doing a fantastic film this week. We are. Um, called Ratatouille. Mm. Uh, it's a Pixar film. And it was uh, written by Brad Bird, who's just, pff, he's a lot more influential and, and, you know, creative than I thought he was. Um, yeah, Brad Bird has done so much stuff. Yeah. And it was also directed by Brad Bird and also uh, Jan uh, Pinkawa. And it is starring uh, Pat Oswalt, uh, Janine, uh, fucking hell, Janine... I can't... I'm going to fucking butcher that. It's just my handwriting. It's not their names. Right. It's just... Ratatouille. Gar... Garofalo? Yeah, Janine Garofalo. Yeah, Janine yep. uh, Garofalo. Uh, Brad Garrett, uh, Lou yep. Romano, Peter yep. O'Toole, and Ian Holm. And there's other people as well. <laughs> there are indeed. I um, I was, I've, I've literally <laughs> had to Google the cast list, and I was like, ready to go. No, no, it's pronounced Brad... Bird. No, it's Ian Holm. Um, <laughs> but do, do no, you, not quite. Do you have an opening statement? Um, yes, fucking love this movie. That's the that's the depth of my opening statement. I really love this movie. Amazing. Um, a fun, heartwarming film about class mobility and how every anyone from anywhere can get to where they want to be in society as long as you ignore the massive socioeconomic issues that millions suffer through. What? <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you're 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 right of course. I think um the reason I love this this Pixar movie is as with all Pixar movies, it has a beautiful story and then you you sort of squint your eyes, look a bit closer and it has a beautiful sort of, well, not a beautiful deeper meaning, but it has another deeper meaning anyway. Yeah, um, and and that's one of the things I really love about this. Um, I, I just I just want to quickly say before we get into any kind of deep discussion about anything, this film is so beautiful, isn't it? Yes, it's vi- all, all the shots of Paris, all the the stuff in the kitchens, so gorgeous. Yeah, the copper pots and pans, and the even the the stuff that really gets me is um, when you see. Uh, chefs chopping things sort of very rapidly. Mm-hmm. Speaking as someone who's like, well, I was going to say a, a food professional. That's a very loose term for what I do for a day job. <laughs> but like, I've spent a lot of time trying to get good at chopping things, and these Pixar animators have done an incredibly, incredibly good job of of getting getting people to be very good at chopping things with their hands. And yeah, um, the the pâtissière that's that's um, kneading dough in the kitchen is just so gorgeous everything in the film is so beautiful yeah it's it is beautifully animated um mm, mm. you know it makes it makes it all the better when a a film that you like critiquing or watching just looks good it does it look just yeah, so much yeah. um justice um yeah i think it's another thing that they do really well is they have a color palette throughout the film and they sort of stick to it in yeah. a way the sort of the human world is all very sort of um bright and it's gold and it's yeah. bronze and it's and it's it's warm colors um and shiny and then the the rat world is blues and grays yeah and, and just sort of sad sort of colors I, I i really adore that too definitely um <laughs> so i've got sporadic notes and then i've got some big stuff um the old okay. woman would rather blow up her house and just <laughs> chase the rats off Mm, it would certainly seem so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna offer a little bit of uh, possible social commentary. Okay. Because the rats are like so reviled and hated mm. in this world. It's like it's it's a, it almost speaks to like contempt that wealthier people have for like the poor. Almost. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, resources can be like, replaced, but, you know, how dare these scroungers try and, you know, yeah, get up in yeah. life, so I'm happy to sort of, you know, destroy mm. 
whatever they're trying to get as long as they don't get it. It's really quite... Yeah. I'm sure that that wasn't the thought when it was being made, but I, it was hard <laughs> to ignore when you look at... If you look mm. at the film as like, I'm completely ripping off from the Sin yeah. Squad because that's mm. it was a great video. It was. Lois recommended yeah. it to me and I was like, holy shit. It's like, <laughs> you could tell that it was about class, but then it was like, no, I'm going to go even deeper. But if you look yeah, at the rats... real intense about it. <laughs> if you look at the rats as like the poor and the humans as like uh, the bourgeois, then it's like, it makes it very, very. It makes it for a much more interesting sort of watch. Jesus oh, Christ, I'm choking. <coughs> but yeah, no, I think you are completely right about those situations where it's like, well, we're meant to be glad that 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 um, Remy is is sort of survived long enough to to work in a kitchen. But it's like, well, at, at the very worst attempts of 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 the upper classes, as it were. That were trying to get him to not be able to 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 be in a kitchen, to not get him to be yeah. able to be. I mean, obviously, I know in real life you can't have a rat in a kitchen, but like, no. <laughs> I understand that in this this world of of hyper intelligent rats that understand cooking, uh, uh, it is a weird, weirdly a, a class. It is a metaphor for class mobility at, at the core of it all. I I, I completely agree with you. Um, yeah, it's. Even at the beginning, that like, Remy has the same sort of like, yeah, anyone can cook, but not everyone should. Like, there's that sort of almost like mm, programmed mm. Like, sort of faux elitism. Even though he's a, he's still a rat and he doesn't have like, yeah. it's like so ingrained. This yeah. sort of stay in your lane, stay in your station, you know, yeah, from, from yeah. birth. That's really quite eerie. Yeah, um, it's 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 in, he's indoctrinated yeah. in, the, in the sort of worst possible way, and it's the kind of thing you do see in sort of real life as well. You see sort of people that might be sort of disadvantaged in some way, and they preach quite right wing economic things. And it's like, yeah. well, the, it, I I don't I don't get it. <laughs> but then you sort of think, okay, well, the, the sort of I mean, we're on another capitalist rant, but it's the sort of nature of capitalism that it needs to sort of self indoctrinate to go yeah. forwards. That's like no, no. It's right that these ten people in America have more money than the rest of the entire world combined. That's right, and you should be thankful that they have so much money. Yeah, definitely. it's like I remember seeing um, on Instagram ages ago. Now it was um, one of these these rise and grind accounts, which I fucking loathe. Speaking as a freelance uh, professional, uh, in strictly in the only the most literal sense of the word. I I hate these sort of rise and grind sort of accounts where it's like okay get up and 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 realize your life's potential yeah. you can do it work for nothing because one day you'll work for everything it's like no no maybe we should advocate for good working conditions and fair yeah, pay exactly. maybe that would be a, a, a sort of more sensible thing but the the post I saw was um I think it was um an example of um Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and the amount of money that they had both um invested into space travel and clean energy Mm-hmm. And the caption said something like, um, how lucky are we to have all of the money in the world be with these people that, like, really want to further the cause of space travel and clean energy? And I remember thinking, wouldn't we be luckier if they were yeah. using that money to stop children dying of hunger? Exactly. Wouldn't, wouldn't, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, d- I don't really want to count on the sort of, like... On the charity of billionaires. Yeah, you know? exactly. But... The promise of like working hard and then getting to it, the top of the system, is the same way that like lottery companies like advertise like scratch mm. cards. It's like, it's not designed so that everyone can become a millionaire. It's purposely yeah. designed to think to make you think that anyone can get there. Yeah, it's a for-profit company at the yeah. end of the day. It's like very few will ever get to that point, and that's the point. It's mm. like the people that do get there will will do the work for the system and tell other people, yeah, yeah, all you have to do is work hard and you'll get there. Like just mm. ignoring mm. the complete and utter yeah. massive chunks of debris in the mm. form of socioeconomic issues that just people mm. have to fucking wade their way through. And it's like, well, you know... That person just might not have worked hard, or they're just mm. lazy. It's like fucking disgusting how that is like an acceptable excuse for not being mm. a millionaire. It's like ah, you're just lazy then, aren't you? It's like yeah, fucking exactly. hell. 
pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, what are <laughs> it, bootstraps? It is ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good point. What are bootstraps? You know, my favourite thing about that expression is that it was originally coined as a term um, meant to mean something that was impossible. Because the idea is, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Well, are you going to start levitating? If you grab your boots and pull, will you start floating yeah. in the air? That's it's, why it's something that's impossible, and now it's coined as a term of well, you just got to get out there and get working. Yeah, hate that. It's it works really well actually. Now that now that you've said that, yeah, because, like people are still trying it, despite the mm-hmm. fact that it is incredibly difficult and literally mm. meant as a very sort of narrow path that some people can sort of find their way to succeed. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. It's um. It's also worth um noting, like um, the characters that do work their way up from nothing and become sort of uh, I was going to say famous chefs. That's not the right word. Very accomplished chefs yeah. are um Colette, who is a brilliant character. I adore Colette and yep. um Linguini, who I also adore. Um, Linguini could be argued only got into that world because his father was um Gusto. It could be argued that the only... Because he's not a talented chef, by any meaning of the word. No. So, the only way he got into that world was through his his bloodlines, essentially. Yeah. Isn't that just horrifically fucked up? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and Colette, um, she does appear to have got into the world through, like, sort of sheer hard work. Uh, yeah, and, and, and sort of grafting and grit. Um, and that's something I, I really do appreciate. Um and I think the aesthetics of her character are very well designed as well. Like, um, her features are quite sort of sharp and pointed, almost like a rat's. Yeah. Like, it's like she has worked her way up from being a rat to being a human in, in yeah. this, this world. Um, and maybe I'm reading a bit too much into a, a into a design choice for a character there. But, you know, I, I, I do really like it. I, I think um, the writing sort of hits the nail on the head, especially with Colette when she says that there are very few women in this industry and I've worked my mm. way. Do you know what I found really interesting when I was What's thinking that? about it? I thought, wait a minute. Historically, as a sort of misogynistic way to sort of like, constrain women through gender roles, it's like mm. stay at home, work in the kitchen, cook and clean. And yet when there's a profession that is like, centred around cooking, oh, I fucking it's know. still yeah. male-centric like, completely. It's like mm. even the things that are wrongly stereotypically put to women are not even like they're not even allowed to have that. They're not even allowed to have yeah. the stereotypes that they're just branded with. It's, it's the, so it's the horrendous up. misogyny of like um, uh, uh, of of only men can do things that are designed to turn a profit. That's that's the, yeah. the sort of core misogyny of it all. The other one that um, obviously you've, you've you've hit the nail on the head there with with cooking of of. Um, Cooking yes. in order to earn an, earn, earn an income is seen as a male-dominated industry, and cooking as a way to support the family is seen as a female-dominated thing. And that's that's the stereotype, and that's disgusting. Yeah. And like, the other one that really... So, go on. Uh, like, uh, cooking is for women, but being a chef, that's a man's thing. It's like, what the fuck? It's like they're no, the exact mm. same thing. It's just cooking. Do you know what I mean? Mm, no, I, I do completely understand what you mean. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, the other one that really gets me is knitting. This is like a weird piece of history that, like, sort of. Um, I've only, I'm only, I, I've sort of, I only stumbled across this this sort of fact. But before um, machines were made that could knit a hundred jumpers in an hour, sort of thing, it the sort of role fell to shepherds. Yeah, because they would be stood out in fields all day, every day, tending to a flock of sheep, mm-hmm. and they would have an inexhaustible supply of wool. So they would be sort of carding it, winding it, making it into jumpers and scarves and hats and whatever it might be. Yep. And then those would be sold as part of their their exports, as it were. And that was seen as a very masculine role yep. because it was something that turned a profit and turned an income. And then as soon, literally, it's like an overnight thing. As soon as machines were invented that could generate 100 jumpers in an hour... Then it was seen as a female thing. Yeah. Because it's like, well, it's not going to turn a profit anymore. It's for the women folk. How how disgusting it, is that? It's fucking, Do you know what I mean? It's fucking vile. It really makes me sick. Um, no, it's... um, it's Yeah, it really is disgusting. It's I, I, I think that's one thing I really do appreciate about this film is that they sort of... 
preach this message of if you work hard anyone can become a chef i think um i think technically chef is like some kind of a I don't think it's a protected term technically, but I think it's like I like I would never call myself a chef. I would no. always call myself a cook because I think to be a chef you have to be culinarily trained. Yeah, and I'm just some dickhead that <laughs> watched a YouTube video about how to cut up an onion. Do you know what I mean? I d- I find it so strange that like, Brad Bird on the one hand like releases uh, the Incredibles. By the way, yeah. uh, Linguini wearing Incredibles boxers, nice touch. Um, mm-hmm. But like in that film, it's like a bit of fucking hero eugenics and like fucking you know, like mm. Ayn Randian politics. And then in this, it's all about sort of class mobility. Yeah, which is either like the biggest compliment to him as a writer who like explores mm. sort of different mm. ideas, or maybe mm. he just sort of accidentally did that, which I I don't I don't think to be the case at all. No, I I don't think it's accidental so much. I think it's um. I think it's a lot of the Pixar films, all of them really. The first one is is tackles some unbelievably huge issue. Um, I can't think of any other Pixar movies. There's been like a fucking million of them, and I can't think of any of them. Um, yeah, like um, Wally. Wally tackles the the massive issue of pollution. Yes, and and how it's like. Well, if there's even hope for a better future, we should strive for it, and all this sort of stuff. And um, I. I a lot of these movies do have such a powerful sort of message, the Pixar movies. I love them. Yeah. On a side note about Wally, I saw this really mm. f- interesting thing about like, like gender and stuff like that. And okay. um, it was a. Uh, have you ever seen the film Wally? And someone says, yes. Uh, what gender is Wally? Oh, it's a he. Okay, what gender is Eve? Uh, she's, she's a she. Why? And they slowly sort of began to realise that gender is not like what's yeah. in what's in your sort of genetics. It's entirely mm. how you present yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because they're just they're just robots. It's like, and yet we yeah. attribute fucking he and she to them. It's so fucking yeah. weird. Do you know what I mean, mm. I just had to add that in there though. Um, no, no, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, it's um. Even when they're not really trying, even when it's just a little bit of gentle world building, they make elegant, very refined points about gender. Do you know what I mean? How, how <laughs> yeah. great is that? It's really cool. Um, mm. um, Anton Ego has a great voice and an even better typewriter. <laughs> I, I do agree. That voice is mm. amazing. and A superb voice, Peter, from, from Peter O'Toole. Um, yes. And I I mean, I've, I own two typewriters. Um I, I love using them both, and it was—it's weirdly nice to see a typewriter in a movie. It's um, this is like perhaps the most niche interest I have, but um, it, it's sort of quite nice to see a typewriter in a movie and be like, oh yeah, that's I can you can physically see the hammers rising and falling. You can hear the clacking against the sort of um the oh, I've forgotten what it's called, um the sort of the the type bar. You can hear the oh, I I love that. That's great. Yeah, definitely. I love a good typewriter. I've never had one. But I've always wanted one. I don't have the patience though to sort of right. get in and like, oh fuck, the paper's stuck or something like that. You know, you know that way. Mm. It's like more a well maintained, yeah. It's a well maintained one. You won't get paper stuck or anything. It's um, the the thing that I think is quite liberating about typewriters is because there are completely manual you're forced to maintain a very specific pace yeah like you can't type in like in- incredibly incredibly quickly like i can on a keyboard you have to sort of maintain the same pace whatever that pace may be you have to maintain it and i think that's quite especially for creative writing i find that quite useful because it's like it gives you a chance know, to it, think it, yeah exactly um, um but yeah i i i one of my typewriters my wife got me for my 19th christmas i was gonna say 19th birthday but i think it was for christmas that year all right um and the other one i salvaged from a charity shop it has like a custom um i always i can't fucking remember the name of it um it's not platen it's um the top bit (laughs) the bit where you pull the lever and slide it across to the side yeah that bit it has a custom bit of that um which is like sort of big designed for a1 um uh, posters and stuff, and I just I remember seeing it in in the in the charity store and thinking that is ridiculous. I I must have it. <laughs> uh, so I took it home and restored it, and now it more or less works. So that's nice. Well, that's fantastic. So you've got you've got two typewriters all to yourself. Oh, I amazing. 
I might I might have to get one now, and never <gasps> and never use it and allow, it, like, you know, j- yeah. Have you seen my typewriter? And just use it as an aesthetic sort of fucking. <laughs> so all these books haven't read a fucking single one. No. <laughs> no, I I know what you mean about the books. It's um, we. In our house, we have about a thousand books in total, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's quite a strange thing because like we have two big bookcases. Um, I, I I don't know what height they are. Maybe seven feet. I don't I don't really know. Um, but they're big bookcases, and they are full of books. Yep. Um, and we have like another small one there, also full of books. And we have shelves upstairs full of books. And there's a I'm in the utility room at the minute, and there's a box over to my side full of books that we haven't unpacked yet because we don't have another bookcase for them. And so we have this insane amount of books and it's like, well, I don't read them all the time, but it's just nice to be surrounded by books. Yeah, definitely. I think there is something to be said for just like, oh yeah, it's just nice to have books nearby. It's just nice to have a typewriter nearby. Yeah. And you've also got the two huge shelves behind your couch. You know, the two huge (laughs) bookcases behind (laughs) Yes, uh, if you haven't seen my living room, uh, that is wallpaper. Um, <laughs> it's it's quite strange. If when you haven't did, seen um, my living room, as if it's lit for every <laughs> for everyone to see. If you haven't seen uh, the art <laughs> of my living room, uh. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, when we when we first came to see the house, we um, obviously, I mean, you know, you look in every room. And we looked in the living room, and Chloe and I both went, "We'll take that wallpaper down." Um, and now we're actually been in the house for a while. We actually quite like it. It's kind of grown yeah. on us. We think, oh, that's quite nice. I quite like it. Um, so it, it's staying up for now at the very least. Quite right. Um, I do have to say about this film, mm-hmm. like I said about oh how Brad Bird has the ability to sort of have different sort of ideas um, portray themselves. But ultimately, I think intentionally, he still mm. makes this a film about... Um, how capitalism is good, in his opinion, because yeah, yeah, despite the sort of complete and utter like, oppressive system that Remy and the other rats find themselves in, the film takes a deontological stance on the act of stealing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know. I noticed this. You, like, I watched the Sin Squad video. Like, like after the, I watched the film, and yeah. I noticed that thief and steal were like they're heavily put in right at the beginning. It's like yeah. I've I've said deontological. If anyone doesn't know what deontological means, it's like it's, me. I I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, okay. So essentially, there's utilitarianism. Where, yeah, greatest good for the greatest number. Yeah, so the consequences are what matter, and that's what's considered to be moral. Whereas yeah. deontological means the act itself, that's what determines its morality. Oh, okay. Mm. So stealing is just wrong. That's what that's okay. what a deontological point would be. And but a utilitarian point would be stealing could be wrong or right, depending on what the outcome is. Yeah. I, okay. am, I believe in utilitarianism. I think it's entirely yeah. dependent on the social and uh, political status of, of the individual or the group. Um, yeah, yeah. But Brad Bird seems to think that stealing, just just stealing... I mean, he's got a crumb of bread. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, and it's like, you're not a thief. Oh, that would be wrong. It's like, no, come on. It's like, you, can't, <laughs> you can't make a film about class and mobility and then go, yep, but don't you no, dare steal. right, yeah. No, that's uh, this is literally just like um, I've just had an Anton Ego moment where I've, I've zooped back to my childhood, uh, but instead I've zooped back to like two days ago. Uh, yeah. I download. I watched um, Les Mis, uh, the the film Les Misérables with uh, Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway and Russell Crowe and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I downloaded it because Chloe wanted to watch it, um, so we downloaded it, we watched it, and all this sort of stuff, and we talked about it afterwards. Um, have you ever seen it? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh well, essentially. Um, I'm not. There's not much to spoil, really. It happens in the French Revolution, so you can probably guess what happens to everybody. But right. like, um, <laughs> essentially, it's the story of Jean Valjean, the most moral man that has ever existed, and he has this incredibly sort of strong ethical core. Yeah. And then a series of increasingly shit things happen to him, and he never compromises on his beliefs. And literally at the start of the film, 
um, he's released from jail to go on to um, parole. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason he was in jail is because he stole some bread. And um, then um, he's there's like, I mean, it's in a, it's a musical, so they sing about it. But um, <laughs> he said, um, I stole a loaf of bread. Um, my sister's children um, were, were close to death. Uh, uh, that's the point he's making is my sister's children would have starved to death yep. if I hadn't have gotten this bread for them. Um, and then Javert, Russell Crowe, um, sort of responds and says, um, what's the lyric? It's something like, uh, we were starving, you'll starve again unless you learn the meaning of the law. That's, again, this is, it's the same. Maybe this this little bit of bread um, deontologicalism is the same as, um, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's like an homage to Lemis. Which is, in a very strange way, a story about advanced morality mm-hmm. in the middle, in like an incredibly depraved um, sort of situation. A, a man that has this moral core belief that he just never compromises on. Yeah, I mean, which I mean, you know. Yeah, it's awfully convenient for like the sort of system that we live in that the, the act itself is what's considered to be moral or yeah, not yeah. because it that that entirely puts it. In the system's favour, it's like it doesn't matter whether you were hungry or starving or like destitute. Mm, How mm. fucking dare you take a crumb of bread from? Yeah, you know the idea. The idea Which that is, is disgusting. Yeah. How dare you steal from the owner of that business, despite the fact that the owner has people working for them that made the bread, and that's not considered stealing? It's like what the fuck? Mm, that mm, makes mm. no sense. Yeah, um, it's um, y- yeah. <laughs> You are completely right. It's um when you when you take out what's the word I'm looking for now? It's when you when you take apart the phrase "sell your body," you sort of realise how many industries you kind of sell your body for. Yeah. For example, if you were working for a baker, are you not selling your arms in exactly. the fact that you are needing bread all day? If you work for the military, you're not selling your body in the fact that you might get shot at any moment. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, it's not just sex work that would be selling considered selling your body. It's essentially any industry. Yeah, well, I mean, a, a large proportion of them anyway. I mean, I sell my body every like, every day. I go out and I just labour with fucking like, putting up antennas and shit. It's like, how is that not considered? Mm. And and the people that do that. There are many of them that will decry sex work. It's like, oh, man, I couldn't sell my body like that. Yeah, With, exactly. Just completely whoosh, going over their head. It's like, well, you, <laughs> yeah, do, you, precisely. you ache and you labour every single day for someone mm. else. Do you know I mean, it's like, it's really, yeah. it's really strange. It's, it's strange. You want to sort of grab them by the lapels and say, you, you are selling your body. You just have a sort of a, a morally skewed view of sex. Yeah, definitely. It's like a really sort of strange thing. I hate to keep pointing out uh, the Sin Squad, but I, I'm sorry. The video was no, it too good. It's a really good. great video. Yeah, yeah I'm we'll, gonna. We'll have to put a link in the description or, or whatever it'll whatever it'll be. Yeah, definitely. But <laughs> kidnapping is okay when it needs to be done. <laughs> yep. But stealing. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, I suppose it's that. Like this, uh, I was thinking this. It's like I'd imagine it's like kids like. You can't teach kids to steal, I guess. Mm. But like, but you're gonna, you know, make a film. I'm about sorry, it. I'm gonna have to ask you to elaborate on that. What do you mean you can't teach kids to steal? Well, I don't mean, I don't mean me. I, I you know, I'm not going about like morally sort of <laughs> do not steal. But like, if it's like a kids' film by by like Disney, oh, they're okay, going to be right, trapped yeah, by their own sort of like PR machine. It's like we can't tell kids mm. that stealing is okay when it's you know, literally starving time no i thought you meant it was like physically impossible i was like no no i feel pretty confident you could just say no i've I've done it (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) no i've done it that's what i like to do at the weekend yes i I, teach children how to steal i taught not what you do i taught myself um no (laughs) but yeah um, there are um yeah you're you're completely right about what, what you were saying about stealing um i think there are a lot of situations in which it's almost ethical to steal in a very strange way, yeah. Like, um, obviously, there's that. The, the, there's the example of my family are starving. I must steal food to feed them. But even in situations where, like, um, if Disney make a movie, and and you think, well, that is, I, I know the exploitative work practices that have gone in, gone gone on in the production process. It would be unethical, 
I, I, I think I would argue, for you to purchase that movie in good conscience. Yeah. Would it not be more ethical to illegally download that movie? I mean, you know, it's a complex issue, but like, yeah. there is, there, you can see how an argument could be made sort of either way. Yeah, it's like, when when is like, when is ownership of something? Mm. Like, not, like, like, how dare you steal my sandwich? It's like, well, it, how is it your sandwich? Yeah. Did you, Did you make the bread? Did you grow the lettuce? Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, does does the sandwich not belong to the cow because it had to die in order to get the meat in that sandwich? It's like, it's really weird. The sort yeah, of, yeah. But, you know, it's it's deliberately like that so that the system that we live in can just, you know, you know, impugn you for, for daily, for daring <laughs> to, you know, fucking keep yourself living. You know, it's, it's yeah, kind of strange. Yeah. Um, it's extremely strange. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, I I will say, see a, a great quote in this film is a changes nature. That's yeah, a great fucking right, quote. Yeah. I love that mm. quote. Um, mm, no, you're right. It's um, that I think it's a strange thing in that like, a lot of animals will sort of return to a state of of sort of, I think they get to uh sort of maturity for that animal and then they remain sort of fairly constant until they die. Yeah, like you don't expect a tiger to get to. I don't know when a tiger's mature. Two, three? <laughs> I don't know how old tigers get. But when a, you don't expect a tiger to get to maturity and then think, right, well, time to get married and get a mortgage. and <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> yeah. you, don't, you don't expect that of a tiger. You expect it to, to remain eating snakes for the rest of its life. Do you know what I mean? No, definitely. Um, I just... I'm running out of notes, um, but... Uh, mm, I will no, s- I'm, I'm also running out of notes. I will say, that's not how nerves work. <laughs> Can't just pull yes. someone's head and they oh my arm. <laughs> yeah, that is um, yeah. Uh, I, I sat I and tried it, it and yeah. I was like, nothing's happening here. My head's just hurting. Now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Maybe maybe he's got like some kind of nerve thing where that is how his nerves work. Maybe. I mean, you know, it's a big maybe. It's but a maybe. big fucking. It's a big fucking coincidence, is it not? So like the yeah, chances of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, um, this movie it does a brilliant job at balancing tension. I think yes. there's a lot of really good sort of tension sort of balance throughout. There's um, parts where um, the, the, strangely some of the tensest moments I found were bits when I, I saw a dish leaving the kitchen, and I thought, oh, that, no, that's got the sauce on it. That can't go out into the into the into the foyer. Yeah, that has to be. And then the the chef is running after it, and do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's um. It's a strange thing with these Pixar films because they make you feel like every emotion under yes, the sun. Yes, it's like it's a unique sort of talent that these films have. Um, despite mm. whatever their you know political messages are, it's like mm. you, you can just feel everything. You know, DreamWorks films as well. I watched Megamind the other mm. day again. Isn't Megamind? I would argue Megamind is one of the greatest films of the twenty first century. It's such century. a good film. It is incredible. It's so fu- it's, it's so funny and so yeah, <laughs> and how it, this is going to sound like I'm I'm reaching a bit here, but like it it sort of deals with the concept of incels in a really weird way. Yeah, like it sort of deals like how Titan, like um, he he's like no, I'm I'm now perfect. Why don't you love me? Why 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 don't you want to be with me? Sort of thing, and he yep. takes it out on Roxy. I love Megamind. It's such a good movie, man. Yeah, I, I do. I do like stories where lit, lit, where it's just it's so clear that sup, the supermen of the world are mm. just gonna be fucking insecure meatheads yeah. that can't process yeah. their emotions and are yeah. burdened with all this power. And obviously, mm. they're and just you can gonna... sort of tell they are like emotionally insecure men. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can tell that they they do have these these troubles. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's 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 a good. We should do that at some point. Or have we, we do- definitely should do Megamind? Because I, I was thinking about it the other day. Have we done Megamind? No, I don't think we've done Megamind. We should do Megamind at some. We should do a lot of things though. <laughs> we we really should. This is this is extremely true. Yeah. Um. I will just say this is my last note. Um, I did a okay. short. I did a short film about working in a kitchen, and like. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. It's not out yet. <laughs> no, no, no. I remember you saying you worked on it. I mean, yeah. Um, I hope that that gets done because of COVID and all that. But um, mm. but like apparently, because it's like it was real chefs that had like, wrote the script, 
and like worked wow. in that. And um, mm. it's it's apparently true, the sort of really toxic nature of like a kitchen. Like the head mm. chef is like really aggressive, and like it's it's not yeah. it's not just exaggerated for like Gordon Ramsay's TV shows. It's actually like that. That which is insanity. Which is yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, wow. So, you know, the fact that this small horrible little man voiced by Ian Holm is probably the truest thing in this film. It's kind of <laughs> really sad. <laughs> yeah, completely, completely. Um, no, yeah, you are, you are completely right. It's um, it is a terrifying movie in some strange way, but yeah, yeah that's what gets me about the the aggressiveness of chefs is that or, or at least the portrayed aggressiveness of chefs in this I, I i don't want to say all chefs are aggressive because that would be a ridiculous thing to say yeah but like in in a lot of homes like as in home cooking homes the the kitchen is kind of the heart of the home in a very strange way yeah definitely but the kitchen is where you would go if, if you go to someone's house you almost always find yourself stood in the kitchen drinking wine just through i i don't know have, have you noticed this? If you, I mean, maybe not wine, but whatever it might be, you find yourself stood in the kitchen talking to them. Yes. Yeah. At some point during your visit, almost inexplicably. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's practical and it's homely, the kitchen. Because mm, mm, mm. it's like. And it's like sort of, um, go on, sorry. It simultaneously has like everyone's need, but also mm, is like mm. open enough so that it can fit almost like everyone, you know? Yeah. Plus, I think it's about um, how, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, everybody knows what happens in a kitchen. Does this make sense? Like, yeah. everybody knows, okay, you wash your hands, you wash the implements, etc., etc. But there's things like, if you're sat in someone's living room, you might be sat there thinking, okay, well, do I take my shoes off in this house? Do I, is it okay if I, I, I sort of tuck my feet under myself to sit on the sofa comfortably? Yeah, definitely. Is there social protocol I'm not quite aware of because I don't live in this house? Mm-hmm. Um and and so I think, yeah, I think yeah, I think that's why kitchens are so good is because everybody's ha- everybody's got a kitchen. It's <laughs> the, the stupidest thing you've ever said in my life. But like everybody sort of knows the protocol for a kitchen in a funny way. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's it's I think gone. It's it's sort of like um, designed to. It's almost like a, a Swiss Army knife in a way. It's like it's yeah. got like everything in it, and yeah. it and it's it's simultaneously a room for function and also a room to let entertain which is mm-hmm. is kind of it's kind of weird it's almost like the modern version of like being around a fire or something like that it's like yeah i mean it kind of is literally being around a fire yeah if you've got like a gas hob i suppose yeah yeah it's where food is made and conversations are said mm. It's it's kind of just such a human thing in a strange way. Yeah. To be like, yes, we are all friends and we are we break bread together and yeah. it's lovely. It's an extension of just like mm. companionship and like um furthering that, which is kinda oh, yeah, nice. Definitely. Um unless you work um, in right. a fucking horrible restaurant in France where the chef oh, yeah. is an arsehole. But apart from that <laughs> Apart from that, yeah. Um I think I've actually run out of notes now, Chuck. Oh yeah, I'm 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 I was way out of notes because I started talking about the, the 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 virtue of kitchens. Um, I see. Um, in that case, um, have we got some closing statements? Yeah. Uh, stay behind the plants, rats. Don't get too comfortable with the idea of social parity. Ooh la la. Um, yeah. A spectacularly pretty film, which also has an awful lot to say. I we could spend hours unpacking every single little frame of this film. I absolutely love it. Um, so. Thank you, Brad Bird, for making this film, I suppose. Yeah, and thank you to everyone that worked on it as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was Ratatouille. Indeed it was. So we uh, we criticised capitalism for an hour. Shall we uh, do some capitalism? <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's only fair. Um, yeah. Uh, we have link trees. Uh, we do. And I'll start with Lewis's. Uh, Lewis's link tree is linktr.ee slash lewis underscore brindley. Um, mine is linktr.ee slash ohiram and the podcast is linktr.ee slash shouting into the void so go check them out indeed indeed oh i feel good about that uh, <laughs> nice one we have a paypal donate button so anything you can spare anything at all would be greatly um appreciated 
Uh, we know that these are trying times, but it'd be just, yeah, whatever whatever you can, whatever you can. Um, we also have Patreon, and we want mm-hmm. to thank our wonderful, wonderful patrons for um, keeping this podcast afloat, keeping us going, you know, amazing. Uh, yeah. Chloe. Thank you. Darius. Thank you. Sophie. Thank you. Peter. Thank you. Aditya. Thank you. Richard. Thank you. Natalie. Thank you. And Dougie. Thank you. One and all. You help us to make this show that we absolutely adore making. So thank you very much for doing that. Um, yeah, we, we love making this show. I love being able to talk about Ratatouille at great length. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much for, um, for yeah, allowing us to talk about films for ages. It means the world to know we've got your support. <laughs> absolutely. Um, we also have merch on Teespring and Redbubble. So go over there, see what you like, see what you don't, and uh, treat yourself. Indeed. Yes. Um, now we have two fantastic adverts for you to listen to. Uh, I'm editing this week, so you will hear the first one now. Danny, I've got some amazing news. Oh, really? What? I'm going to make you a hat. Thanks. But, but why? Well, because Right Side Yarns, who sell beautiful and unique wool, have recently released a new range. Oh, I've heard of them. Aren't they that fantastic Scottish business that sells high-quality hand-dyed products perfect for crafting with? They certainly are, and they're sponsoring the show. Really? Have they heard the show? Yes, and apparently they like it. Kezia, the owner of the business, has given us a generous 15% off code for any of our listeners to use. Is, Is that why you've got Void 15 written in your hand? It is! If you or any of our listeners would like to use the code, simply enter VOID15 at checkout with a capital V. Great! Where do I check out? You can go to their website at rightsideyarns.co.uk or check them out on Instagram at kezia underscore rightsideyarns. Fantastic! This hat you're making me better be good. Oh, beautiful. That is superb. Possibly the best advert ever. Oh, really? Well, ha, wait until you hear this. Banger. (laughs) (laughs) You hear... You hear it? No! Do you know what my favourite part of recording the podcast is, Danny? Is it talking to me about movies and stuff? No, definitely not. Uh. <laughs> my favourite part is making and drinking a beautiful cup of coffee to keep me focused and centred while we record. I really like using coffee from my favourite roastery, Café Hormozzi. I've heard very good things about them. Aren't they a small, family-run roastery in Kent that roasts, grinds and sells excellent coffee? So good, in fact, that they guarantee not to ship anything they wouldn't drink themselves? They are indeed. They have a 100% customer satisfaction rate, and it's easy to see why. I'm currently drinking a mug of their house blend, and it's delicious, it's rich, it's nutty, and it's earthy, just how you'd want it to be. Mm, that sounds good. I'll have to go to hormozy.co.uk, that's hormozy, and pick up a bag with 5% off using our Shouting Into the Void discount code SITV5. That sounds like a great shout. I'd personally recommend their Vietnam White Dragon Origin coffee. It's delicious, and just like all of their coffee, it's great value too. Great! Now can we go talk about movies? No, this cup of coffee's far too good. Ugh. I've got tears in my eyes, Lewis. That, uh, me too. I have tears on my face. <laughs> I have tears on my lap. Tears. Ever- I'm drowning in a sea of tears. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, we are partnered with a another amazing company called Number Twelve Crochet Avenue, and Lewis has got some wonderful things to say about them, all of which are true. Indeed, Arini. Uh, Number 12 Crochet Avenue is a wonderful company run by my wonderful wife where she crochets and she's really good at it. Um, I mentioned in Friday's show that she's just started a project. She has still just started the project because uh, the little peek behind the curtain, we record these at the same time. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, a really good account. Um, she posts lots and lots of extremely aesthetic pictures, which I um, absolutely adore. Um, so go and go and take a cheeky look. Uh, it's at number twelve Crochet Avenue on Instagram. Um, all words and letters, no punctuation, no numbers. Go and take a look. Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yes, but we have a uh, we have some news, don't we, Lewis? We do have a bit of news. So, um, the next episode in the podcast is the mm-hmm. big seven zero. Indeed, it is. Um, but we're not gonna we're not gonna spoil what we're gonna do for that because we have. It's gonna be an exciting surprise. 
yeah, but we have um, two weeks before we get to that for uh, reasons that are myriad and complex. So they are indeed. Mm. We're going to do some more storytelling because we are. I believe Lewis enjoyed doing it. Um, I did. Yeah, I'd like to give it a wee go. Read you, read you a wee story. And if it works, it works. We're all about experimentation here. Give it a go. See what works. See what doesn't. And uh, yeah, so we're going to do that for the next um, two weeks. And then we're going to get to... regularly scheduled programming. Yep. And kicking it off with Void 70. So keep your eyes peeled for that one. Um, it, uh, go on. Quote something from um, the big thing we're doing for Void 70 uh, in order to tease to any listeners that might still be listening. Okay. Fucking hell! I'll need to say I'll need to say some. <laughs> wow, you put me in the spot here. Uh, it's one of my favourite things to do. Um, whoosh. There you go. Uh, well, that was perfect. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I um, don't know. If, you... Did you get that, Lewis? No, I, I most certainly did not. All right, well, never mind then. You, you'll just have to wait and see. You'll just have to wait and see. Indeed. Um, yeah. Thank you very much, one and all, for listening to the podcast. Um, it is now half past six in the a.m. I'm going to go and have a shower. I'm going to go and, 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 and get started on the day. What an exciting time. Yeah. Just just um, to say, the, the noise that I made, I've got something to sort of carry it on with. Um, okay. I would say something, but I wouldn't want to... Get ahead of myself. Oh! Well, okay, now I get it. Yeah. (laughs) But there you go. We're doing Mary's Queen of Scots. (laughs) Yeah, we are. We definitely are. Um, But yeah, so uh, keep your eyes peeled and we will hear you, see you, smell you, um, deontologically impugn you next time. (laughs) Indeed we will. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.